Hello and welcome back for episode 68 of the Path Podcast. I am Jason. Hey, I'm Derek. And we are so glad that you've decided to join us for this, the first episode of 2022 of the Path Podcast. Uh, we've taken a couple of weeks off, but now we are back and uh, we've got some ground to cover here and to, uh, to kind of catch up. So um, just to bring everybody up to speed, we started the first of the year, um, we began a series through the book of Revelation, and we're going to go verse by verse through the book of Revelation over the next couple of years. It'll eventually be 45 sermons long, but it's not going to be all at one time. Uh, but um, we're, we're taking this first five-week chunk uh, to look at the first three chapters uh, of the book of Revelation. Uh, and Derek, you have led us through that over the last three Sundays. Uh, to begin, we, we've looked at chapter one and the beginning of chapter two. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, maybe um, give us just a quick recap and then let's, uh, let's talk about some things that we should, um, we should carry with us this week from the first chapter or so of Revelation. Yeah, um, hopefully I can do this you know, fairly quickly <laughs> because it's a lot of ground to cover, but we invite you to go and watch the messages that will help. So yes. um, you can go to our website, LafayetteFirst.life slash um, watch. watch. Yeah. So we'd love for you to go there and, and recap there. But in a brief way, uh, we began on January 2nd and we, uh, uh, we began looking, you know, we, we began asking some questions or answering some questions you know, why, why the book of Revelation? Why now? You know, those kind of things. And then, um, and we really, those were answered really in the text. And so we jumped into the text and uh, we looked at what, you know, what John begins with. Um, and so, you know, we realized this is about Jesus. It's from Jesus. It's him unveiling who he is showing us who he is uh, not just who he was but who he is now and all his glory and uh and and so you know it, it, it's about jesus and and so that's important you know i mean oftentimes when we look at the book of revelation we kind of get lost sometimes uh, you can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing and and, mm -hmm. and you you you, you get lost in a lot of the details that we really don't know a lot of, you know, what does this mean? What is, you know, what could it mean? You know, those, and there's a lot of speculation and, and those kind of things. And, and some of that's okay. I'm, you know, the problem is, is when we allow those things to detract us from seeing what's important right. uh, all along. And that is, it's about Jesus. Yeah. And if at the end of this thing, we're not realizing and loving Jesus more and being more confident in Jesus then I think we failed to see the meaning of the uh, of the passage, you know, and really the whole book. We also saw that it's a blessing. It's meant to be a blessing to us. It's not meant to be a curse or something we avoid. It's really meant to bless us. Uh, we realize that it's written initially to seven specific churches in in Asia Minor. Um, it was written to them to give them courage to face the trials that they face. Uh, I listened to a pastor named Matt Chandler and he, he did a message series on Revelation and probably a year ago. 
And he said, it's written, is not written to us, but it is written for us. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. It's important that we realize, just like with any biblical text, it was written to a specific audience with a specific meaning for them. Now, that's the job of the, the preacher, the, the interpreter, is to dig into that and see what applies to us today. But, uh, you know, a lot of times Revelation, people read Revelation like it's something that couldn't have been for that or to those specific churches. You know, it's like something super, super far into the future that, you know, like, um, you know, locusts could have been Apache helicopters or, you know, like <laughs> they wouldn't have known that. That's, that, that's not that's not how we interpret it. We, we, we look first and see. What is what did this mean to the original audience? And that's how you do any biblical interpretation. So that's important that we realize that Jesus was revealed specifically to these seven churches. There were other churches. Why just these seven? Well, because these are ones that John was in charge of, uh, that he had charge over. Yeah. And then we realize that Jesus's covenant love should encourage us, and that Jesus is. Re- revealing himself in glory and majesty so um that that was week one and answers a lot of the questions of why do we say this because we need to see jesus we need to see jesus in this way we need to realize him who he is in all his majesty and all his glory yeah and so that's important i was gonna say i think i think that um this for us, I mean, I know it is for me, and I hope it is for for everybody else at church as well. That it's a great exercise in um, in setting a um, let's see, I want to I want to use the right word here, setting a pattern for how we read scripture yeah. uh, is important, and and you can apply that pattern to every book of the Bible, but um, so often since we are you know two thousand years basically after um, the latest of these words were written and we it would be very easy for us to to read our own presuppositions into the scripture mm-hmm. um, which is a super dangerous thing to do because then you come up with crazy ideas of what mm-hmm. you think the bible is saying and it's not saying that um, and so I, I appreciate that um, you know the that first week when we were talking about why I study this and um, you know, the fact that it is God's word. So it's not like this taboo book that's off limits at the back of the Bible. Um, right. But remembering that we can't, we, you know, we don't, we don't come at the book of Revelation with Apache helicopters in mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, to, to, to your point a while ago, we, we come to the scripture with what is this saying in its original context? What would this have meant to those seven churches that it's written to? Uh, and then you go from there, which I think is what, really important. Right. Yeah. And then what can, what principles, you know, come across the span of time, language, culture, you know, all those things, what principles come across for you and I to hold on to and understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now it is a prophecy. Yeah. And we talked about that. It is a prophecy. And, and a prophecy has elements sometimes that aren't yet uh, fulfilled. And I, and I do think that's the case, but maybe not in the way that we've always thought about it. So, yeah. you know, and so my hope and prayer is that as we study, those will come 
alive and will understand those a little bit more and have something better to grasp onto. Yeah, I agree. I think second week, you know, uh, we, we really saw this elevated vision of Jesus and and that's important because the elevated vision of Jesus plays into each and every one of the letters that follow or messages specific to specific churches. So the, the, the message to the Ephesian church, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, because Jesus references a section of that to give specific hope and specific instructions to a specific church. Mm-hmm. And that's important for us to understand, realize, excuse me. Excuse me. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Gracious. Oh all right there we go <laughs> hopefully that's the last one so you know it's important for us to see that because this vivid picture of jesus is not meant to scare us or concern us it's meant to give us courage to face yeah. the trials and difficulties that we face that was the thing is these churches were facing persecution death threats i mean uh stuff we couldn't even imagine. They were experiencing those things already and more was to come. And it wasn't meant to scare them. It was meant to say, let me give you courage. And so we find in this particular passage, the end of uh, chapter one, this tension, I think that carries throughout of, you know, Jesus and all of his glory that we need to desperately know and see and realize. He's not just you know, Jesus is my homeboy. That was a thing a few, few, I guess, probably a decade ago now, Uh, you know, where we just kind of like, Jesus is my bud, you know, we're cool. And and he lets me do whatever I want. No, 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 this is, this is God almighty. This is exalted, the exalted King. This is the the King of all glory. The one who deserves all honor, praise and adoration. You know, this is not just, Hey dude, thanks for loving me. You know, it's, it's that, but then also, Jesus is approachable. So John sees Jesus elevated with white hair, eyes of fire, you yeah. know, bronze feet and all the, this imagery. He, we, he sees him in that way. And what does he do? He falls down like a dead man. But that same Jesus who is terrifying to John comes and lays his gentle hand on him and saying, don't be afraid of me. Yeah. And so we see that tension of this. This is. We're supposed to see our victorious king because he is victorious over all our trials and difficulties. And he is, he's exalted above all those things. Uh, and in fact, you know, I think scripture shows us in this beautiful way. It was through his sacrifice and through his trials and through his sufferings that he earned the right to be uh, exalted into this position. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and, and almost through our own sufferings, we fellowship with him. And it also uh, uh, gives us, you know, uh, an equal share in, in his victory that he achieves. And it's through the suffering that that comes. You know, we often want to dodge it. But yeah. oftentimes I, I found it's through all those things that we are able to conquer and be victorious through Christ. And in the end, we come out stronger and more hope-filled and injected with courage. Yeah, I think, um, man, it's such a great point about the fact that these churches were 
uh, or that this this letter was originally written to to encourage these churches because I think it's something that um, we don't really we don't have a frame of reference for here in America especially of being under persecution and um, you know the as this church was or as this letter was taken first to Ephesus and read there and then taken to Smyrna and read there and then Pergamum and so on the the people in this in these churches were not going well um yeah could could you please help me understand the uh eschatological significance of the beast in uh chapter you know that's not what was happening that they were mm-hmm. they were given a picture and reminded of who how incredible our Jesus is and then said because of who that Jesus is be courageous in how you live out your faith um, no matter what comes because life is going to get hard and and I think that's such a great lesson for us to learn in the modern church is that um, we we often have this incessant need to know exactly what every single thing means and if that's the case we are um, to use your term from earlier we're, we're we can't see the forest for the trees um, yeah. but we're, we're getting so off track and and distracted by the things that are not the point of this letter now i'm not saying that all those prophecies aren't important because they are there if they weren't important they wouldn't be there um, and all those images and everything that are there, but we don't need to get so caught up in connecting this vision to this world event that we lose sight of the fact that we have this incredible savior, that if we trust in him, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky dory for us, but if we trust in him, everything will be okay in the end. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think a great point that's important for us to you know draw out is that you know this is meant to inject courage and 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 strength into us Mm -hmm. and and so far i mean in american christianity i think the church in 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 some ways and this is generalization yeah but i I think it can be true is it's very neutered you know of power Mm -hmm. yeah and and strength um and, and emphasis uh, in America. And I think a lot of times maybe it's because we don't really talk about revelation much, yeah. you know, like, yeah. are we receiving that courage, you know, that we should be getting in that way to give us the strength to face difficulty and trial in Jesus name and, and mm-hmm. see this world changed because of him and people come to the Lord because of who he is. And because we're, we have the courage to face those things. I mean, we're jerks about it, but just they're <laughs> yeah. willing to go into those spaces and say, Hey, I know a savior. I'd love for you to know him too. And, uh, he, he one day will rule and today you might as well, uh, beat him to the punch and surrender to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and one of, one of the things too, is I think that, so to get into uh, a little bit more kind of deeply theological things, I think that, um, we run the risk of developing sort of a modern day Gnosticism to some extent. Yeah. And, and what that means for, for people who are listening is that the Gnostics were this group of heretics in like the third and fourth century who believed that they could have some special knowledge about God. And especially when it comes to revelation, we like to try to think that we can have this special knowledge about these 
you know, images that quite honestly are weird. Like there's, there's some weird stuff going on in Revelation. There's no getting around that. But we, we exchange our faith in this incredible Jesus for what we think is special knowledge about these things. Mm -hmm. And there, and that's what I mean by modern day Gnosticism, that, that yeah. we think we can, we can have this special knowledge and that we know these secrets that the rest of the world doesn't know. And, mm -hmm. and, and if that's the case, to, to the point that we've been trying to make, we have completely missed the point of the book of yeah. Revelation. So, well, I mean, you know, and we'll, we'll catch on this a little bit later, but we got a taste of it this past week mm -hmm. when Jesus mentions the Nicolaitans, they were yeah. likely Gnostics, you know, yeah. people who practiced Gnosticism that, uh, that was, you know, was trying to infiltrate the church. And so mm -hmm. it is, you know, it's very interesting that you say that because, yeah, that was one of the things they were they were uh, fighting up against, you know. Yeah. Uh, in their day too, and it and you're right. You know, I think it 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 kind of becomes, you know, something for us to hang our hat on. You know, but I, you know, I pray we don't. You know, I pray that we yeah, see absolutely yeah. Jesus through it all. So let, let's move uh, into this week, and and I think you know that will help maybe close us out. Yeah. Um. This past week, we talked about the first letter to uh, the first church or the first message to the first church, and that was the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus is an important city in mm -hmm. history uh, altogether, but also in Christian history. Uh, it was a port city. It was, uh, you know, Rome only preceded, you know, preceded it in, in, in greatness. Uh, it, it was, uh, at one point, you know, a, a secondary city to Rome yeah. in power and political power and financial power and, and, and trade power because it was a port city. It, uh, they worshiped there, the, the goddess of, uh, Artemis and had a, uh, temple there. It was one of the eight, uh, ancient wonders of the world was huge um you can go to ephesus today it's modern day turkey and you can see a lot of yeah you know these things still you know ruins or whatever but you can also see the evidence that christianity was there uh the sad thing now is that it is a country with probably 0.5 or less percent christian christianity there yeah. and it used to be a major, major place for that. And so it makes sense that it was um, the first church that was mentioned, the first church that was addressed. We talked about yesterday's geographic because mm -hmm. it's the first church you would have come to entering that port city. Um, and, and so that's important. Uh, it's important that Jesus, you know, address that church because it had a great significance. Um, and he, he talks to them about many of the things that they uh, were doing well. And he begins, right. just like every church message begins with, hey, this is who I am. I'm, you know, he says, I'm the one who holds the seven stars. I walk among the seven lampstands. So I hold you and I hold the message that's been, that's been given to you, the gospel message, because he's holding the messengers. And he's walking among our midst, so he's with us. He holds us, and he's with us. And I think that's the thing to, to pull from this is that, you know, this is 
about Jesus, and it's about our relationship with Jesus, his covenant love with us, his covenant relationship with us. We saw it in the first chapter yeah. that God's, Jesus's covenant has been accomplished for his people, and because of that, he holds us and never lets us go. Mm-hmm. And uh, he intends for us to hold on to him, not just the things about him. And that was the thing is like Jesus is saying, you know, and I love that he starts with what they did well. Hey, you did well. Uh, he used the uh, the Oreo principle is what I talk about. <laughs> or is how, yeah, it's a leadership principle. You, If you have something to address with someone, you always start with something they've done good. Then you mentioned something that they did that needs improvement. And then you mentioned something again that they did that was good. So Jesus does that. He commends them for uh, their toil, their work, their tenacity, their willingness to to confront false teachers and, and Gnostics. But then he says, this thing I have against you, you left your first love. Mm-hmm. And so we're reminded from Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13 that if you have, if you don't have love, you're like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You're worth, you're nothing, Yeah, Paul says there. And it's important that we, we do what we do in love. And we do that by holding on to that relationship with Jesus and holding on to him more, more strongly than we hold on just to things about him. Yeah. Uh, does that make sense? Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, no, it's so true. I think um, that um, like one thing you said yesterday, talking about how Jesus holds, or we need to hold on to Jesus more strongly than the things about Jesus. Um, you said we get we get worked up. I, I hope I, I, maybe I heard this. So the Holy Spirit just gave it to me, but it said we get worked up about things more than the giver. Um, and uh, you know that obviously that's Romans chapter one. I mean that's that that is the human condition, but. Um, I think it's a great reminder, especially in light of this book, that we don't get that, that that we don't run the risk of getting so worked up about the things in this book that are the secondary things. They're not the primary thing. And um, while that's just a very small example of that, it's so true because we we um, we do find ourselves getting you you run it you run the risk of of being idolatrous really i mean you you start to care more about things than you do about the creator and um and that's a real dangerous slippery slope to start down um and so i think i think it's just it's a great reminder um to 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 constantly be on guard in our walk with christ that um, we very easily could be doing great things, but we've missed the ma- the main thing. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the story of the church at Ephesus. They were doing great things. Like they were out there fighting for the gospel, man. They were out there fighting for, for the truth, but they, they missed and overlooked the main thing. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a great reminder for us uh, in the church today. Mm-hmm. Well, that I love, you know, that that holding, the idea of holding was was a theme inside yeah. of this this message. Jesus holds us, never lets us go. We must hold to Him more strongly than the things about Jesus. And then, by holding on to Jesus, we find victory in Him mm-hmm. and its benefits. And so, the benefit is that Jesus prophetically foreshadows 
what's going to happen in the garden or in, in, in the new heavens, new earth at the tree of life. And it's that those who hold on to him, those who conquer, those who are victorious will eat of the tree of life. And so we see that that's from, from revelation 22, we see yeah. uh, that promise uh, fulfilled that was alluded to in this passage, in this message to this Ephesus church. And so we must hold on to him. And when we do, we reap his ben the benefits of the victory he won. And those yeah. who conquer get the benefit of, of being in heaven, being with him, and even eating from the tree of life. So, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that, that should be the thing that, that keeps us going, right? That we get to, we get to be with him eventually. Um, and that's why we toil. That's why we work. That's why we uh, live the way that we live so that we might get to spend eternity with him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So it's good stuff, man. I'm excited. Like I've heard a lot of good feedback. Yeah. People are excited about the state of revelation. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about that. So uh, I'm excited and can't wait to see uh, what God teaches us through it all. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I um I actually love the book of Revelation, not because there's weird prophecies and beasts and things. And, um, but I just, I love how at every single turn on every single page, it's about, yeah, this stuff is weird, but look how great Jesus is. Um, and you see that over and over and over again. And, I, and it's such a, I think it's such a strong and, and great reminder that we need, that the church has needed throughout the centuries and we need it just as much today. So Absolutely. Amen. All right, cool. Well, this is where we turn it over to you. What is God showing you through this study of Revelation so far? Uh, we would love to know about that uh, because, again, um, we want this to be a conversation, not just between the two of us, but between all of us that that we know or that we see how God is working and moving in our lives, and we're able to respond to that and walk together through it. So we'd love to know. You can email us at thepath at lafayettefirst.life or you can comment right on this YouTube video or on the podcast, and we would love to uh, to get um, get in contact with you and, and start that conversation. Um, we hope that you're enjoying this uh, series. We we are gonna we're gonna do a couple more weeks, and we're gonna take a break in Revelation for a little bit, and then come back to it. We'll we'll, we'll give ourselves breathing room from the Book of Revelation uh, throughout the next um, couple of years. But um, we hope that you're enjoying it. Uh, we hope that you're having a happy new year. And until next time, I am Jason. I'm Derek. And we hope that you will join us next time as we continue down the path. <laughs>